Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And I do appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Pastor Lynn, for inviting me. And uh, thank you all for letting me participate here and join in in your church here for the last week. And we've got to be here on Wednesday and put together some some bags that you'll be able to hand out. And uh, that was uh, that was fun and, and enjoyed that and appreciate uh, the heartbeat of your pastor and your ministry here. And uh, he, he mentioned to you just a little bit about uh, that I would try to share uh, our ministry with you. So let me do that just before we get started, because I don't want to detract from the message with anything about me. But um, just so you know, I, I am married, been married for 20 years. Uh, my, my lovely bride is back over in South Carolina, where we live in the Spartanburg area. And uh, her name is Emily. And I have two girls, um, 14 and 16, uh, Ainsley and Riley. And uh, so they're uh, super excited. My oldest daughter, Riley, she loves snow. Now, if you know anything about South Carolina, it shows up every now and then. And uh, usually it's gone, though, about time, you know, the sun comes up, it just disappears. And so we don't we don't get a lot of snow. And I was telling her there was snow in our front yard. Now, it's kind of ice more than snow at this point in time. But she was so jealous and uh, she just thinks it's great. And I've sent her some picture of the snow on the mountains around here. And uh, I think she really wishes she was out here with me. I, I'm pretty sure about that. But uh, that's a little bit about my family. And then our ministry, I'm in evangelism. It's an itinerant ministry. We travel and, and try to help churches along the way. And uh, I understand you've had some evangelists here, and they come in and they preach a week of revival meetings. And I, I, I love that. And God has used uh, that uh, flavor of evangelists, if I can say it that way, uh, mightily in my life. In fact, I believe that I am in the ministry today directly can be traced back to a series of evangelistic uh, revival meetings that we had at my church in Tampa, Florida, where God really got a hold of my heart. Um, but when we went into um, evangelism, we were trying to do evangelism like that, like everybody else, and it was just not really working. We just couldn't get the ministry off the ground. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little hard-headed, and uh, God has to kind of you know work me over a little bit before He can get me where He wants me to be. And uh, so the Lord was just putting us in all kinds of churches, and we began to, as we traveled and got to see churches, we began to see that there was a real need at least in the churches that we had been put in, for help with evangelism. Actually, help in their community. How, how do you share the gospel with somebody? How do you go up and talk to somebody that you don't know? How do you talk to a coworker? How do you talk to somebody in your neighborhood? How do you, how do, you do those things? And there was just a real lack of evangelistic fervor uh, to do anything uh, in their communities for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we began to pray about that and ask the Lord if there was a way that we could mold our ministry to help churches learn to be evangelistic in their community. And uh, so I started talking to some pastors about it, and pastors thought it was a good idea, and then finally had a pastor say, well, why don't you come and try it? And uh, we've been doing it now for the last three years, and it's just been going really well. And so uh, we'll come into a church, and we'll stay for maybe two months. You think, oh, I don't know if I could put up with an evangelist for two months. I, I understand where you're coming from. But uh, we'll come in for two months and, and stay and really just uh, go out and, and knock doors in the community or whatever it is that the pastor wants to do that he's working on to be evangelistic. We'll come in and just help. And uh, we teach and train people on how to share the gospel and what the gospel is and how to share it, what to say, what not to say, uh, how to approach someone. And, uh, and so the Lord's just been really uh, blessing that ministry, and we are just, uh, we're just tickled. And uh, so we, we're excited about what the Lord is having us uh, do. And I've always been burdened for the West, and so I got in touch with Pastor Lynn, and he was gracious enough to let us come and spend some time out here and meet some pastors in the area to see if maybe our ministry would be a good fit out here. So that's a little bit about us. 
and uh, me and our ministry. But let's set that aside now and let's get into the Bible, shall we? Luke chapter number 19. I want us to begin reading and we'll read the first 10 verses of, of the chapter here. Luke chapter 19, verse number one, the Bible says this. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, forasmuch as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Would you bow with me for a moment? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here in Fernley, Nevada, and the opportunity to open up the scriptures and to be able to preach a message that you've laid on my heart. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to the truth in this passage. Lord, give me liberty. And Father, I just ask that you would fill me with your spirit. Help me to be able to say the things I need to say this morning. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I want to ask a question to start here this morning. And uh, how many of you would say when it comes to this business of soul winning and, and leading people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, how many of you would be willing to say, well, I've got that figured out and uh, I've got it down to a science and uh, I don't think there's any way that I could be any better at it at all? Anybody? Well, that's, you're the first person ever to even slip up a hand and put it back down and say, just kidding, right? You know, I, I travel the country, and it's a privilege to do so as an evangelist, and I, I, I ask this question almost everywhere that I go, and nowhere has anybody ever put their hand up and kept it up <clears throat> and to be able to say that they have got it figured. But I can tell you this. You're here this morning. You're a Christian. You love the Lord Jesus Christ. And somewhere inside of you is a desire to see people saved. You want to be better at soul winning than you are. You want to be more effective at sharing the faith that is so important to you with other people. You want to lead more people to Christ than you actually do. And I'm in that same category with you. And the other reason I like to ask that question is because if somebody's got it figured out, I'll gladly go back down and sit down and I want to listen to you. Because I don't have it figured out, but I can tell you I'm certainly trying. And I want to do better for the Lord Jesus Christ in this area of soul winning. In this passage in Luke chapter 19, we meet Jesus Christ here as he is soul winning. He meets Zacchaeus. He's never met Zacchaeus before. Zacchaeus is a complete stranger to him. And by the end of the time that they spend together, Zacchaeus is born again. And so I, I have a very simple concept or thought really behind this message. Here we find Jesus being a soul winner. And if you want to be a soul winner, and if I want to be a soul winner, then we need to be willing to do what Jesus does right here in Luke chapter 19. And if we will do what Jesus does, then we can expect to have similar results to what Jesus 
had. Does that make sense? So nothing complicated this morning. I don't have a, you know, this great thing that you have to follow. But I believe that as we look at this, you will find that this is just so simple that every person in this room can take and apply these truths to your life and become a better soul winner than you currently are. Okay? And so there's two points in the message tonight, if you're going to be taking notes or this morning. The first is the sinner and the second is a soul winner. Because there's two characters in this passage. The first is Zacchaeus and the second is Jesus. So we want to spend a little bit of time just talking about both. And we want to spend some time talking about Zacchaeus because as we talk about Zacchaeus, we're going to be talking about lost people in your community as well. And it's important for us to understand their perspective and some of the things that they may be thinking about in their life. So let's do that. Let's begin talking about Zacchaeus here, who is the sinner in our passage. Look at it in verse number two. The Bible says, And behold... There was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans, and he was rich. First thing I want you to notice is his appearance. His appearance. You know, Zacchaeus is not wearing a sign here, if I can say it that way. He's not wearing a sign that says, please come talk to me about Jesus, right? I've often thought it would be a great idea, Pastor, if maybe at a, a Walmart or, or a Dollar General or something like that, they could sell these obnoxiously neon T-shirts, and, and on the T-shirt, on the front, it would say, I'm curious about Jesus. And maybe on the back, it would say, please come talk to me. And that would just really simplify this whole business of soul winning and talking to people about the Lord, right? Because then you wouldn't have to worry about who it is that you were supposed to talk to. And you wouldn't have to be concerned about talking to somebody who, who wasn't interested. Because if somebody was interested, they could just go to the store, get one of these obnoxious T-shirts, and then everybody would know, okay, I need to talk to that person about the Lord Jesus Christ. But, I, you know, I've looked for those, and I've yet to see one. I, I've never seen anybody wearing a T-shirt like that. And in fact, and if we were to be honest with ourselves, most people who are lost, if they were to wear a T-shirt, what would it say? It would say something like this. Leave me alone. I'm not interested. Well, I'm going to suggest to you that if Zacchaeus was wearing a T-shirt, and I know that he wasn't, but if he was, his T-shirt would say, leave me alone. You say, how do you know that, preacher? Well, let's just think a little bit about some of the things that are said about him here in verse number two. So we learn his name is Zacchaeus, and then we learn that he was, what was his job? Somebody tell me, he was a he was a tax collector. He was a publican, that's right. Now, when I mention um, an IRS agent to you, you just get, you get warm and fuzzies inside, don't you, right? <laughs> and I don't know if there's an IRS agent in here, and if you are, the Lord bless you, okay? All right, but uh, publicans here, uh, publicans had a very negative uh, perception here in Scripture. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And it's not like being an IRS agent would be today. Uh, being a tax collector back then, I mean, that was just atrocious. How, how, how dare? And we know that he was... <clears throat> A Jewish person, because down in verse number nine, the Bible says at the end of the verse there that he is also is a son of Abraham. So we, here we are putting together the pieces of Zacchaeus. We know that he's a Jewish man, and we know that he is a publican. Well, he's collecting taxes, not for uh, some kind of government like we have here uh, that seeks to hopefully you know, do some good with the tax money that they uh, collect or whatever. But uh, there he was collecting it on behalf of the Roman government. And the Roman government was taking those taxes in turn and then oppressing the Jewish people. 
And, 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 and the average Jew of that day, if they would have seen Zacchaeus, they, they would have known that he was a publican and they would have viewed him something like this. You know, that guy has made his choices in life. That guy has sold his soul out to the Roman government. He doesn't care about anything that is Jewish. He's not interested in anything that is Jewish. He certainly wouldn't be interested in, any, in a promised Messiah from the Old Testament. He's made his choices in life. He's gone the direction that he wants to go. He's a closed book. He's beyond hope. There's nothing that we could do to be able to help Zacchaeus. That's what Zacchaeus looked like because of just his profession alone. You know, publicans are viewed very negatively in Scripture. I mentioned this. Just hold your finger here. Just look a few pages before in Luke chapter number 15. The Bible there begins, and the Bible says, Then drew near unto him, unto Jesus, all the publicans and who? Sinners for to hear him. I mean, the, the publicans of society were lumped in together with uh, the sinners. And then back over in Matthew, you can turn there if you would like. I'm just going to look at a couple of passages there. But Matthew chapter number 21, Matthew chapter number 21 and verse number 28, the Bible begins here and Jesus is speaking. And he says, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go to work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? And to say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. So we have publicans looped in with sinners. We have publicans now linked in with the harlots. And then in Matthew chapter 18, I find this one really fascinating. This is where we find the section of Scripture dealing with church discipline. And we'll pick it up, just read through the passage there in verse number 15. And so this is Matthew chapter 18, verse number 15. It says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a what? Publican. In other words, at the end of the church discipline process, after he's refused to listen to everybody, after he's refused to listen to the church, how are we going to treat him? We're going to treat him as if he was a publican. I'm telling you, he wasn't wearing a sign that said, I'm interested about anything Jewish. And the average Jewish person of this day didn't want anything to do with Zacchaeus, let alone spend time with him, let alone eat with him. But he wasn't just a publican because the Bible says in verse number two that he was chief among the publicans. Now, we know from study of scripture and just the knowledge of the time period that publicans of this day were known to be very honest people, right? No, not at all. They were known to be very dishonest people. They were crooked. And uh, so it will go something like this, you know, uh, what's your name? Brandon, if, I, if I'm Zacchaeus and, I, and, and I've got Brandon's name here on the ledger, and I'm just making up numbers, you know, but I look down at the ledger, and it says here that he owes the Roman government $8, right? I would say, well, it looks like you owe $10. And now he couldn't go and sue, and he couldn't, you know, use the legal system like we have in the United States. He'd have no recourse. What would he have to do? He'd have to give me the $10. Well, I'd take the $8, and I'd pass that along to the Roman government. What would I do with the other two? Man, I'd put that right here in my pocket, right? And I'd keep that, and I could be able to use that however I wanted. Thank you very much for letting me use you. I know I didn't ask, but thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, so, you know, he, he, was, he was corrupt. And the Bible says that he was chief among the publicans. 
And so not only was he corrupt himself, I believe he managed the corruption of other publicans in the city. I believe that this guy was really a scoundrel, if I can say it this way. And you say, well, how do you, how, how do you know that? Well, look down here at the end of verse number two. It says he was chief among the publicans and he was what? He was rich. Now, what do we know about the average Jew of this day? Were they rich? No, they were being oppressed by the Roman government. They were trying to figure out where their food was going to come from for that day. They were literally living hand to mouth, day to day, trying to figure out how to survive. And yet Zacchaeus here was living this lifestyle of lavish luxury and just flaunting it in front of everybody. And he was extorting money from everybody and just living in luxury right in front of him. Now I got a question for you. How often do you and I size people up by their appearance whenever it comes to soul winning? I don't know about you, but my hand's up in the air and I'm guilty, right? I have a, a bad, uh, you know, <clears throat> habit, if I can say it that way, of, of judging a book by their cover, you know? I can look at somebody and I can say, you know what, that, that guy, that girl, they've made their choices in life. They wouldn't be interested in anything that I would have to say to them about Jesus Christ. They wouldn't be interested in anything that the Bible would have to say. Hey, can I just be honest with you? You and I miss so many opportunities to be evangelistic simply because we judge a book by its cover. Hey, just because some person has a rough exterior shell just as because a person doesn't or looks like they don't want anything to do with Jesus, that doesn't mean anything. And it didn't mean anything about Zacchaeus either. Because I want you to look beyond his appearance, now that we've noticed his appearance, I want you to look beyond his appearance, and I want you to look into his heart. Would you look in verse number 3? Verse number 3, the Bible says, And he, Zacchaeus, sought to see Jesus who he was. I don't know about you, that's an amazing verse, isn't it? Here's this guy. Man, he's got this rough exterior. He looks like he wouldn't care anything about anything that was Jewish, and yet there's this curiosity inside of him. And he wants to know about Jesus Christ. Wow. Hey, do you think that there are people in the area where you live, right here in Fernley, and the surrounding areas, that look pretty rough and that look that maybe they wouldn't be interested but maybe deep inside, they're curious to see who Jesus is? I think that there are. You say, how do you know that there are? Well, I believe that I can use Scripture to prove it to you. Hold your finger here again in Luke chapter 19 and go to the book of John, and we'll go to chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. We'll pick it up in verse number 32. This is Jesus here speaking. Jesus says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw how many men? All men unto me. Does that all really mean all does that mean literally that Jesus Christ draws every single person that's ever been born unto himself? That's exactly what it means. And you know what? People is, Jesus Christ is working on people here in Fernley. And he's working on people in Reno. And he's working on people in Fallon. And he's working in, on, on people in the other places that exist around here that I don't know about because I've, I've never been there. But I haven't been there, but Jesus Christ has. And Jesus Christ is working in the hearts and lives of individuals. And he's going to be working in New Jersey when you get there. And it doesn't matter where you go. Wherever you go, Jesus Christ is drawing men unto himself. Go to a couple of pages to the right in your Bible and look in John chapter 16. We'll pick it up in verse number 7. This is uh, the 
Jesus here talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, <clears throat> I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You know, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. And at one point in time in your life, you were lost. You were without salvation. You had never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And the Holy Spirit was at work in your life. And he was improving to you that you were a sinner. And he was convincing you that you deserved hell for your sin. And he was showing you that Jesus Christ has been lifted up and that he died on the cross for your sins. And he was the one who was talking to you. And just like he talked to you, he's talking to people in your area as well. And he's drawing all men unto himself. And we need to understand that. Now, not only you can go back to Luke chapter 19, we know that Zacchaeus had this rough exterior shell of an appearance. We know that his heart was actually something different, that he was seeking to see Jesus who he was. Now I want you to notice that he had some obstacles. In verse number three, the Bible says that he sought to see Jesus who he was, and he could not for the press because he was little of stature. Now he was short. He had a problem that I definitely don't have. All right, I'm six foot two, never had a problem. I'm the guy they call to get things off the top shelf in the kitchen or whatever it may be. You know, I don't need a ladder because I've just been tall. So I can't really relate to Zacchaeus here, but I can relate to the idea of sinners having obstacles to get to Jesus. And I'm just curious if I could maybe use your help here a little bit this morning. Could I do that? I want us to think about what sort of obstacles would people infirmly have to come here to Grace Baptist Church? What sort of obstacles, what sort of hindrances would keep a person from coming here to find out about the curiosity that they have about Jesus Christ? Is that a fair question? You understand? Well, what, what do you think? Raise a hand. You, you help me this morning. Yes, ma'am. What's that? They're too busy. Absolutely. All right, somebody else. They work on Sundays. They work on Sundays. They say they're not religious, all right? The walls will fall down. Yeah. The walls will fall down. What's that? Oh, the building will fall down. Oh, yeah. What's going to happen to me if I go in there, right? Uh, some, somebody else. They don't want to confront their sin. Oh, that's a good one. That's a big one, right? You know, there's a stigma that attaches to a person who's a sinner, right? And you know that you church people, right, are all righteous and you have your life all put together and everything is perfect, you know, and people look at you and they think, I can't go in there. Those people have their lives put together. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb and I, they, they're, they're going to judge. Are you with me? Right now? I, I know that's not true. We don't all have our lives together. We are saved, right? But we're just sinners that are saved by grace. Amen. Praise the Lord. And God's still working on each and every one of us and God's still working on me. But the truth is, there's an impression from the community that you do have your life together, and they don't want to come here because they won't fit in here. What are some other reasons? Peer pressure. Peer pressure, absolutely. What are my friends going to think if I go over there and go to that church? Okay. What about this one? I don't think I have anything to wear that would be appropriate to go. Are these obstacles? They are huge obstacles, folks. They are massively huge obstacles. So Zacchaeus had an obstacle. He couldn't get to Jesus because he was short. But he was curious about Jesus. And there are people in your community here who are lost and on their way to hell. Jesus Christ is drawing himself, drawing them unto him. And they have some obstacles to come here. Some of them we've discussed. And there are many, 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 many more 
obstacles to keep someone from coming to a place like this to find out about Jesus. Now, he found a way, ultimately, and in verse number nine, or verse number six, I just want you to see this. Ultimately, Zacchaeus receives Jesus Christ. It says that he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And then we know the rest of the passage that he trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to be a savior. Now, we've looked at a little bit about uh, here at Lost People. We've looked a little bit about Zacchaeus and I hope we've been able to make and some applications to, to your community here. Now, let's look at Jesus and see what he did to be able to reach Zacchaeus. And we want to pick it up here in verse number one. The Bible says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, I think this is very interesting. He was passing through a city. Now, whenever uh, I, I travel a lot and whenever I travel and I'm passing through a city, can I tell you what I'm not planning to do? I'm not planning to stop, meet someone, go over to their house, spend time with them, and spend the night. Why? I've got some place to go. And it's not that city. I'm passing through that city. You know, Jesus had a place to go here. He was on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. Uh, he had a place that he was headed. He had a schedule that he was trying to keep. Yet, when the opportunity arose to be able to invest in the life of someone who was interested in him, what did he do? He took his schedule and he set it aside. The first thing that you and I need to do if we want to be soul winners is to be willing to set aside our schedule when God brings someone across our path that we need to be able to talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, we are so schedule-driven, and I don't have a problem with schedules. I, I make to-do lists, and I like marking things off to-do lists. In fact, I like it so much, sometimes I get something done that wasn't on my to-do list, and I put it on my to-do list so I can mark it off. You know, we, we, but we are schedule-driven people, and we have so many things to do, and we have to be at the doctor's appointment, and we have to have dinner done at this point in time, and we have to be, you know, at the, at the grandkids' um, little league game or whatever it may be. And man, I'm telling you, life is just so scheduled. And we go from appointment to appointment to appointment and, and thing and thing to, to thing. And you know, if we're not careful, man, we walk right past lost people all the time, and we never even notice because we're just going about our schedule. Jesus had a schedule, folks. He had things that he had to do, but he was willing to set aside that schedule. Well, what did he do? He was willing to set aside his schedule as he was passing through a city. And the second thing I want you to notice in verse number five, the Bible says, and when Jesus came to the place, what place is that? I just simply say it this way. This was the place where Zacchaeus was. Okay? Where did Jesus go? He went to where Zacchaeus was. Now, the Great Commission says, go into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. And we have talked about all of the obstacles. Well, we had not talked about all of them, but we talked about some of the obstacles that sinners have to come to a place like this to hear about Jesus and have their curiosity satisfied. So what do we have to do to overcome those obstacles? We can't wait for them to come here, so what do we do? We have to go to where they are. Are you with me? We have to go to them. We have to take the gospel to the lost and dying in our community because there's just so many obstacles they have to overcome to be able to come to a place like this. And this is what Jesus does. He went to where Zacchaeus was. Now let's talk about that for a moment and make some application. And I'll ask for your help here again in just a moment. What we need to do then is we need to go where sinners are. And just to get you thinking about this, I'm not suggesting to you that you compromise your testimony and go somewhere where that you shouldn't go. But I want to ask you this. Where can you go in Fernley to find sinners? Where can you go? 
in the back. You can go to work. And you probably should go to work if you want a paycheck, right? But you go to work, and there are sinners at your place of employment. Yes, somebody else. Church. Church, okay, all right. Yeah, all right. Where else? Walmart. Amen. Y'all have those out here too? Boy, I'd say they're real popular back east. No, I'm just giving you a hard time, right? Everybody goes to Walmart. Absolutely. I mean, there's just people everywhere. What about what about the doctor's office? The yeah, waiting rooms? Casinos, right? Now, we could go some of those places, right? But I'll, I'm kind of more thinking of places that maybe we could go and not have to compromise our testimony. You know, we don't have to go to the bar to meet a sinner. You with me? You have to go to the Little League ball game and sit on the bleachers to meet sinners. You have to be out in your community to meet sinners. I want to say it this way. You have to go to the same places that you already go. Why? Because there's sinners there. Right? Now, so far, being a soul winner is really easy. All you have to do is be willing to set aside your busy schedule if God brings somebody across your path. And number two, you have to go the places that you already go. Well, so far, we're doing pretty good, aren't we? All right. Now, you've got your Bibles open, so let's look there. After Jesus went to the place where Zacchaeus was, what did he do? The Bible says in verse number five, and when Jesus came to the place, he what? He looked up. You know what you want to have, you have to do to be a soul winner? You have to be willing to set aside your schedule. You have to go the same places that you already go. But now you need to start looking for sinners. You need to start looking for them. Start looking for people who are lost and that for people that you can talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ. How often do we fail to look? Too busy? Too preoccupied? Too busy looking at something else? I find it fascinating that the scriptures say, and he looked up. Now, I know he looked up into the tree. But, you know, if, if, if we want to be better soul winners, you know what a lot of us need to do? We need to, we need to look up. We are so distracted. And we are so preoccupied with everything else that is going on in our life that we are not looking for people to talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus went, he was looking. He was looking for people to talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, so far to be a soul winner, be willing to set aside your schedule. Go the places that you already go. But now look for sinners as you go. Now, if you do that, if you do the looking step, I promise you the next step happens automatically. You don't even have to try to do it. Okay? What does the Bible say in verse number five? The Bible says, And when Jesus came to the place and looked up and what? And saw him. Listen, if you will go about your day and you will look for sinners to engage with and talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ, I promise you, you will see them. Sinners are everywhere. Jesus found one in a tree. You know what I'm saying? If he found one in a tree, you and I can find some somewhere around here in Fernley. If you look for people to talk to, you'll see them. The trouble is, most of us don't even see them. We go throughout our days, we're so preoccupied, soul winning is not on our mind, and we just miss all of our opportunities. So he was passing through a city. He came to the place where Zacchaeus was. He looked and he saw, 
And then let's see what Jesus does next. The Bible says in verse number five, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. And then what? The Bible say and said, you say, oh, man, this was going so well. Everything was so easy up to this point. Why did we have to get to this part of the scripture? Listen, I, I understand this is really where the rubber meets the road. And, and I'm not going to lie to you. It's it's difficult and it's scary and it's challenging. But if you want to be a soul winner, you know what you have to do when you look and you see you have to open your mouth and you have to talk to them. You have to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus didn't look for Zacchaeus and, and see Zacchaeus and, 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 and have a burden for Zacchaeus' soul and then just keep on going. He actually took time to slow down and open his mouth and talk to Zacchaeus. You know, I'm so thankful for the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Amen? And the Holy Spirit of God will fill us, and the Holy Spirit of God will give us a holy boldness that you did not know you was even possible for you. You say, I'm an introvert. I can't talk to anybody. Well, amen, just put me right in that category as well. I don't want to go talk to people. I'd rather sit at home and watch the game on TV or something. But you know what? The Holy Spirit will give you that boldness and give you that desire, and He will work in your life. And as you obey... And as you go about and as you open your mouth in dependence upon the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to help you in the conversation. And, you know, I, I wish it operated like this or the Holy Spirit would operate like this. I, I wish that you would say, you know, be able to say to the Holy Spirit, Lord, I know I need to talk to that person. Uh, what do I need to say? And, and then you would just, you know, he'd tell you what to say and then you could go and you say it. But it doesn't work like that. Right. Here's how it works. Lord. I know that you are telling me I need to go talk to that person. I mean, I can, I can feel it right here. I can feel it. I know that I need to go talk to that person. And uh, so you say, what do I need to say? And the Holy Spirit just says, well, go talk to him and depend on me. And you say, oh, that's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable. So the, what you do is you, you go over and you're walking up and uh, there's a person you're supposed to talk to and you want to reach your hand out and say hello and shake their hand or whatever you might do here in Nevada. All right. And, um, and, and you say, Lord, help me or this is going to be a real mess. And you open your mouth and you say, hi, how you doing? I'm, I'm Dustin or whatever it may be. And you just talk to them. And as you talk to them, in other words, as you obey the commands of scriptures, the Holy Spirit meets your needs. But if you wait for the information about what to say to them before you go talk to them, you're never going to see the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in your life and helping you along the way. So what do you do? You obey and then trust in the Lord. And as you trust in the Lord to obey, He meets your needs in the conversation and helps you know what to say to them. Isn't that amazing? That's how God works. And I want to tell you, if you want to have a vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you want to have a vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit of God, talk to people about Jesus and depend upon the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will become more real to you than he ever has been before in your life. Because he is helping you to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so many of us are afraid to talk to people because... Well, you can fill in the blank of the fears that are there. But it'll surprise you when you start talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ and you start trying to be a witness, you start trying to be a soul winner, it'll shock you how many people will simply tell you, thank you. They'll just say thank you. 
I, I was up in Nova Scotia, and I was walking around with my children, and they were just, I mean, they were very young at the time. I, I would guess they were probably oh, six, seven, eight, something like that. And we're walking around, and we're having an open-air service at a, at a park right in town, and there's all of these uh, people that are walking the streets, and we're just walking the streets and letting them know that we're having this church service in town. And we're at this gas station, and this guy comes up, and I mean, I'm telling you, you talk about a guy with a hard exterior cover. You name somebody or think about somebody you wouldn't want to talk to. It was this guy, all right? Uh, he was big, and I'm not going to fill in all the blanks, but he had everything that said, I'm not interested, you know? So I talked to him and he blew me off. Can you believe that? Went on into the store. And I thought, man, he blew me off. I got my girls here with me and everything. I'm like, that was so rude. And so I'm walking off. The guy comes back out of the store, says, hey man, and uh, stops and I, I turn around and he says, hey, I'm, I'm sorry I, 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 I did that. I, I shouldn't have done that. Thank you for trying to talk to me. And then turned around and went back in the store. You know, it, it's fascinating though, know, people, know when you're trying to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ that you're talking to them because you love them and you care about them. Why else would you be talking to them about the Lord? And so many people will just say thank you. You hand a tract to somebody here in a fast food restaurant in the drive-thru. They may have never gotten a tract before. And they may look at you and say, well, thank you. People really don't mind if you talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the more you do it, yeah, you'll find some people who aren't interested, and that's fine. Cross them off the list and, and go, go talk to somebody else. But I'm telling you, if you want to be a soul winner, you got to go where sinners are. You have to look for them. You have to see them. And then you have to speak to them. In verse number 10 of Luke chapter 19, the Bible says this, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I like to say it this way. His mission was fishing. His mission was fishing. He was always fishing, fishing for the souls of men. You know, make evangelism your lifestyle. Carry tracks with you everywhere that you go. Look for sinners. See sinners. Open your mouth and speak to sinners. Depend upon the Holy Spirit of God to help you in that process. You know, I really like fishing and I've learned something about fishing in my, in my years of fishing. If you never put the bait in the water, you never catch a fish. I've learned something about soul winning too. If you never talk to people about the gospel, you're never going to see anybody get saved. You know, when it comes to this business of soul winning, some people make it complicated and some people will say, well, you got to do this and you got to know that. And, and I, I understand you need to know the gospel message. And if you don't know the gospel message and, and what you should say, boy, pull me aside after the service, pull your pastor aside and say, I don't know, what, what, what should I say to somebody? What, what do they need to understand in order to trust Jesus Christ? You say, we'll be glad to help you uh, with that. And you can talk to your pastor anytime about those truths. But really, being a soul winner is really simple. <laughs> You just have to go out there and talk to people. Go out there and talk. And, and every person in this room can do it. Some of you young people in here, you go to a school, you need to be a soul winner at your school. Talk to people about Jesus Christ. Every one of us can do it. You know, I don't know how the Lord has put his finger uh, on your life today, but I hope that it has encouraged you and challenged you 
made you think a little bit about obstacles that people have to come to a place like this to find out about Jesus and helped you realize the importance of going out with the gospel message. Pattern your life after what Jesus does here in Luke chapter 19, the master soul winner at work. And it's recorded for us to be able to pattern our lives after. Would you bow with me and close your eyes? Father, I want to thank you for the time that you've given us to spend together here this morning. I thank you for Luke chapter 19, these first 10 verses. Lord, I thank you for opening my eyes to this truth. And I, Father, I just pray that you would help us to be able to take these truths, be able to apply them to our lives, understand a little bit about reservations that sinners may have about coming to a place like this. Help us to realize the importance of taking the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. Father, we love you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes